We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here we go, guys. Off-season is here. It's a big off-season for your boys in blue for uh, not just the team and the organization, but individually for those young pitchers. Preparation for spring training and that shortstop competition. The big swinging prospects like Nick Prado and MJ Melendez, Bobby Witt Jr., not to mention the questions hovering above players like Hunter Dozier and Adalberto Mondesi. We'll get to all of it, but we start tonight with the general manager of your Kansas City Royals, his first offseason in that role, J.J. Piccolo. We appreciate hearing from you as always, so let me start with this. What are the keys to making this a quality offseason? Well, first, I think we're we're in a really good spot with our, our starting pitching as far as depth is concerned. We'll have nine guys returning who have made starts in the major leagues, which is a really good thing uh, for the organization overall and to, to get through the length of the season. So we feel good about the starting pitching. Uh, we still have guys that need to settle into their roles and you know, go through that normal transition maturation process that a that a major league pitcher goes through. But um, from a purely a depth and youth standpoint, we're we're really in a good spot. I think what we need to focus on is uh, trying to beef up our bullpen and, and make that bullpen as as good as it can possibly be. Uh, we've watched this through the playoffs this year. How difficult it is for starters to get into the seventh inning, eighth inning. Uh, that's certainly the goal, but the deeper your bullpen is, uh, the more likely you are to, to secure wins when games are winnable. And that's uh, a focus of our off-season discussions with our professional scouts, our R&D department, you know, who are those targets, uh, who fit us from an evaluation standpoint, from an R&D standpoint, and from an economic standpoint. You know, that's something that uh, we always have to have an eye on. So that's a uh, a big focus for us, and I think more than than anything, when it comes to pitching, we just have to be really, really focused on how we get the pitchers that we currently have better. How do we get them to the next level so they can be really, really productive pitchers for us and lead us into winning seasons and playoff years? What excites you about the young pitching heading into next season, and where do you think the young pitching needs help? Heading into 22, I think every guy has a little bit of a different story. You know, the 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 one thing we know is they're incredibly gifted and talented. Uh, They they have the stuff, if you will, to pitch in the major leagues. Uh, But every one of them has something that they need to improve on. If you want to go individually, you know, you look like you look at a a Brady Singer. Uh, you know, trying to come up with a, a third pitch that will be effective for him. So his slider does play better. Uh, we do like his fastball command. He commands the, the down and away pitch extremely well. But learning how to use that fastball to both sides of the plate. Uh, but when he has that third pitch, and there's been some nights where his changeup's been pretty good, uh, he's very effective. You know, and then then he has nights where he doesn't need his third pitch, and he's very good. So. 
but to be a, a quality starting pitcher, that's been a, a point of focus for us, and that that message has been re- relayed to Brady. I think a guy like Chris Bubich, it's really just when he commands his fastball and his breaking ball is on, his changeup is always there. So it's just consistency with Chris. Uh, you look at a guy like Daniel Lynch, I think he's still very much in that phase of uh, experience. He needs to just continue to get out there and pitch. He's got really four quality pitches. He, he uses the slider more than he does the curveball, but he does have a curveball. But he's got a really good changeup. So, and, and he pitches to the inside part of the plate uh, really well, and he has a lot of confidence in his fastball to go to the inside part of the plate, which sets up most of his off-speed pitches, which are going to be away from the, the right-handed hitter. A guy like Jackson Coarb, it really comes down to if he commands his fastball. He's got a good enough breaking ball. He's got an outstanding changeup uh, when he commands his fastball consistently uh, and can throw a fastball in any count and locate it. He's going to be extremely effective. So, um, you know, Carlos Hernandez, you know, right now, I don't want to say he doesn't have anything to work on, but needs to just continue on the path that he's been on because he was really, really impressive as we closed out the season. Look at some of the, the younger guys. We got a quick look at Jonathan Heasley. You know, the thing that he does so well is he does command all three of his pitches, fastball, curveball, changeup. Interestingly enough, he, he did throw a slider one time or, or really throughout his career, but about halfway through this past summer, we decided let's just go curveball, and his his performance really you know, took a step in the right direction. Uh, I think eventually, you know, he'll break out that slider again, but right now he commands his curveball so well and he's got a changeup he's got a lot of confidence in and he commands his fastball that uh, that's why we saw a very effective starting pitcher for the couple starts he got. And the quick look at Angel Zerpa, I mean, he's always been able to do this and it's rare for a left-handed pitcher to be able to pitch in on a right-handed hitter uh, with, with real consistent effect. He did that extremely well. Uh, but he's so young into his career, you know. I don't really know what to say, what he needs to improve on just yet. <laughs> but, yeah. but he got the experience. And then he just, you know, Mike Miners, a seasoned veteran, uh, knows how to pitch. He pitches up in the zone well. But the reason he's able to elevate is because he can locate down. And when you're able to locate down and then go up, that you know high spin rate fastball that's gonna, you know, get by hitters plays much better. He does that really well, and I think his role for us is to be a, you know, a veteran leader. You know, help younger pitchers learn and get through those growing pains faster because he went through it as a pitcher. And Brad Keller, very similar. You know, not quite as many years as Mike Miner, uh, but in our in our rotation, he's done a really effective job. He's pitch efficient. I think maybe some of the troubles he got into this year was. You know, trying to chase that swing and miss a little bit too much early and you fall behind in the count. And no matter how good your stuff is, it's hard to pitch when you're behind in the count. Made some adjustments throughout the year and, and was much better as we closed the season, uh, you know, prior to his uh, season ending injury. But um, we're, we're in good shape. And, and I think we really have to focus through the offseason, communicate with these guys, make sure that, you know, the test that we've left them with at the end of the season, they're focused on it. They're working at it. So when we get to spring training, we see the results of hard work through the offseason. Royals general manager J.J. Piccolo joining us here on 610 Sports Radio. And and even though you and the rest of this front office uh, 
taught everyone in Kansas City the importance of a bullpen in those pennant-winning seasons of 2014 and 15, and we've all watched it over the past decade unfold each and every October. I got to admit, I'm somewhat surprised that that you you, you started this conversation focusing on the bullpen because uh, Stallmont to Barlow. Uh, Tapia and Piamps, what we saw from Coleman, what we saw from Brents, not to mention all of the young starting pitchers. And you know, I've 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 heard it said uh, relievers often are, are failed starters. It seems as if that relief core is one of, if not the strength, along with the defense and the base running of this ball club. What is it about the never-ending search for relievers? that has that at the, the top of the to-do list? Well, one of the things that's going to come into effect, or at least we believe it will, and it was supposed to be in effect in 21, is that every major league uh, roster is going to be limited to 13 pitchers at one time. Uh, a little bit due to COVID, uh, a little bit due to the expectation that there was going to be an increase in injuries for pitchers coming off a year where it was – you know, cut short, MLB relaxed those rules for 2021. So oftentimes we had 16 pitchers available uh, on our on our team, yeah, out of 26 players. Um, so next year, knowing that it's going to be 13 every night, or at least believing, and that's how we're going to operate through the offseason, uh, knowing that it's going to be 13, you know, we got to have viable options, you know, for Mike Matheny to run the bullpen the way he needs to run the bullpen effectively. Uh, so you start looking at players that have options, so you have flexibility, uh, players that will you know, might throw three or four innings in the major leagues and they're down for the next two or three days and we just played an extra inning game or whatever it may have been and we need a fresh arm. You need somebody in AAA that has options that can come up. Um, but it's the – it's that middle ground. We feel really good uh, about Barlow, Brents, and Stamont. There's a lot of power uh, at, the, at the end of the bullpen. I don't know if we can say any one guy is the closer. They've all had a chance to close some games. Uh, but it's that group in between. Toppy and Piance did a tremendous job for us. It was great to see Coleman come up and do what he did at the end of the year. Gabe Spire was really good uh, in the three weeks he was up in September. You know, there's certainly pieces for us, uh, but then you, you, you do want some guys that have, you know, weathered the storm before, a little bit more veteran presence, uh, being able to throw back-to-back nights, you know, throwing three out of four nights. You know, that's a tough thing for young pitchers, and I think when we start looking at our own system, it's not necessarily the way we want to break guys into the major leagues. We certainly could, but if we had our druthers, we'd rather them uh, be broken into the major leagues in a way that, they can stay healthy. They get the experience, and, and with that experience, now you can start throwing more at them. So it's that, you know, that middle group. You know, they, you'd like to have some others like Barlow, uh, like Stamont, uh, that can deepen our pen and give us more options. Uh, you know, over the course of 162 games, can never have enough pitching. Can never have enough catching. Can never have enough uh, talented center fielders, talented shortstops like this organization has. And instead of the generic Bobby, Nikki, uh, Mondi question. Uh, spring training going to play all that out. I understand it. Uh, but I, I'm curious, what do you want from that shortstop position in 2022, regardless the name? Yeah, well, you, 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 number one, you want as much 
defense and range as you can possibly get. I mean, especially in the world of shifting the way we do, um, you know, that, that, that pie up the middle, you know, that, that, that ground you have to cover up the middle. You'd like to have somebody has tremendous range. Um, you know, the three that, that you mentioned all, all can do that. And they're all pretty dynamic players. You just want consistency out of, out of that position. You know, I think they all bring something to the table offensively, but you know, when we look at our club overall, how are we going to best be set up over 162 games to play the best possible defense? Cause something that gets, you know, really overlooked, uh, and, and you see it across the game. You certainly see it in the minor leagues a lot. Pitching gets better when ground balls are converted into outs. And when you have young pitchers and they make good pitches and there's a ball that's hit a little bit to the right, you know, you want the, the shortstop to have the range to be able to make that play and convert that to an out because there was a good pitch that was made that the pitcher deserves an out. And when those outs aren't con- uh, converted – now the starting pitcher has to work harder. The likelihood of him getting through six or seven innings decreases. Uh, so you want as much range as you possibly can get. And I think you get that when you do have consistency and who's playing position. The shortstop position is not a position that you want a different guy there every night. You know, you, you need to have a, a consistent guy. So when we go into spring training, you know, we, we've been talking about those three guys for five months now, you know, what's this going to look like in a, in a year? Well, now that we're into the off season and we start planning, we'll go into spring training open-minded to, you know, who should play shortstop every day. We know Nicky can play short. He can play second. We know Mondi can play short. He can play third. He hasn't played second, but we know that he can. And Bobby can play short and third really well. So there's, there's great options for us. It's a good thing for us to have. And, you know, something we're, we're pretty excited about. J.J. to lump Adalberto Mondesi and Hunter Dozier together. I, I, I only do it because I think the honest, smart baseball fan in Kansas City knows the talent that Adalberto Mondesi possesses, knows the ability that, that Hunter Dozier possesses. But for someone like you that is putting this team together, building a team for 2022, how much is fair to put on their shoulders how much of the offensive expectation is fair to put on the shoulders of these two that are either coming off down years or coming off an injury plague season so i think they they both put a lot of i'll say pressure but i don't know if that's the right word they put a lot of pressure on themselves because they know how important they are to us i know it was extremely difficult for monty to not be available for us this year like like he like he was most of the year it was it's frustrating for him he had a hard time uh, dealing with that and it's more because he's a great teammate and he knows that we're a better team when he's on the field hunter i think put pressure on himself in that you know he signed the extension our purposes with signing him to an extension was to you know one we valued the player but two you don't need to worry about your contract now just go out and play but hunter is such a good person and good teammate that he wanted to play up to that contract. So trying to get him to just understand that's not how you can operate day to day. You need to free yourself up and just go play the game like you did when you were 10 years old. And when you do that, you're going to have success and you won't even worry about the contract. Uh, But needless to say, both guys are really important to our offensive production. The Hunter Dozier we've seen in past years, we know what he's capable of doing. Uh, the, the times when you see Monty really hot, it's amazing how much he can 
impact a game. You know, we talked about his defense, but whether it's, you know, swinging the bat, running the bases, I mean, he's one of the rare, you know, few guys in the game that can hit a ball 480 feet and steal 40 to 60 bases a year. I mean, there's just not many guys who can do that. So there's so much impact, but, you know, the, the obvious thing with Mondi is how do we keep him on the field and keep him healthy? How can we pace him through the season uh, so we're not pushing him to his limits? You know, the thing we've learned about Mondi is he's, he's so incredibly gifted, but being as athletic as he is, he's actually a little bit more prone to injury. The good thing but difficult thing for us to figure out is right, how do we prevent injuries with him? He doesn't have a history of any one injury, so that makes it difficult on our medical staff our performance science team uh, to try to figure out how do we train him uh, so we are preventing injuries uh, regardless of what part of the body it may be. So, you know, it's a great challenge. Uh, I think we've put together a really good plan with he and his agents uh, for this off season that hopefully will lead us down that road and we keep him on the field and along with Dozier with a clear mind and a new start, uh, they, they're able to go out and produce the way we know they're capable of producing. This might be an unfair question, and I guess it kind of gets at the heart of any general manager or scout. Uh, when you're viewing um, Hunter Dozier on paper, projecting for 2022, same thing with Adalberto Mondesi. Is it the 2019 Hunter Dozier, Adalberto Mondesi, those type of numbers that you alluded to, do you always view your players in the best possible light? Uh, how how much of a dose of what happened last year do you have to take along with all of the good that they've showcased as well? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of players that have had years where they were down years, if you will. Um, I, I think what you know Hunter needs to realize, what we know is what he did in 2019 is is very much what he's capable of doing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's done it at the major league level. Um, you know, and really at the heart of it for both guys, you know, it all comes down to the same thing, get a good pitch to hit. And when you get a good pitch to hit, you do something with it. You know, it sounds very simple, uh, but in this world of advanced metrics and advanced technology, when you go back and you analyze at bats, the, the productive at bats are the ones where guys swung a good pitches and hit the ball hard somewhere. You really can't control the results. Uh, we don't, you know, we can't control where guys are going to shift you or where they're going to play in the outfield. But if we can get the player to, to buy into controlling the strike zone and knowing what they hit well, and when they get those pitches, do some damage with them, then they're going to be productive players. So the 2019 version of Hunter Dozier, that's exactly what he did. You know, he, he took advantage of pitchers' mistakes, and that's what he did. When Mondesi is going really good, it's amazing, you know, if a pitcher makes one slight mistake, it's big damage with him. You know, it's balls in the gaps, which usually for him are triples, or they're over the fence. But if the focus stays on get good pitches to hit and look to drive those pitches and lay off the chase pitches, you know, they're going to be good hitters. And, and they've done it already, so they should have the confidence that, that they themselves can do it. And uh, now it's a matter of executing it. Two more questions pertaining to the offense. J.J., I appreciate the time. Uh, one, Andrew Benatendi. Uh, he hit second on that championship team in pa- uh, in Boston. Uh, last year hit second, third, fourth, and fifth for your team. 20 starts at each of those uh, four spots in the lineup. 
where do you think he fits best? Or I guess that's a manager's job. What, what kind of yeah. hitter, what, what type of hitter do you view him as moving forward? Well, for, for one, fundamentally, his swing is excellent. I mean, there's a lot of balance in his lower half. He gets, you know, his bat stays in his zone a long time, uh, which is why he comes off his bat so well. But it seems to me, just watching him over the course of the year, when he's really driving the balls left center field, that's when he's at his best. Mm-hmm. And, and you see some surprisingly big power out of him. But I don't think he's one of those guys who gets himself into trouble trying to produce power. I really think his mindset is I'm going to hit the ball hard. Uh, but his swing path is one that if he's on time and he delivers the barrel at the right time and the and the uh, contact zone's good, the ball's going to jump for him. The ball's going to be in the air. And, you know, years ago, I know as a, as a kid growing up, everybody would say hit the ball on the ground. and You know, there's more holes on the ground than in the air. But obviously today's game – and I don't think the game was much different years ago. I think there's just more knowledge about where the holes really are. Uh, so you, you do want to see the ball in the air. It's just not soft in the air. You want you want low-line drives, long-line drives, and if you catch it right, they're the ones that are going to go out of the ballpark. Well, Andrew does that really well. So when he's, he's going good, and I really thought this past year he was about to just really take off. He was playing well. Uh, and he got hurt in Oakland, and I think that set him back. Then he started going again in September. Um, I think that injury in between disrupted some things. Uh, like most great players, they, they want to get back on the field sooner, and it wasn't until you know, the, the middle part of September that I think he was feeling 100% and, and going. But uh, his offensive potential is excellent. You know, I'll leave it to Mike where to hit him in the yeah. lineup, and I think – as you see with most teams now, the changing of lineups and who hits where, it's no longer your your fastest guy is going to hit leadoff and your left-handed hitter is going to hit two. I mean, that, that's, that's in the past. Uh, the creativity in lineups has a lot to do with the advanced metrics and matchups and what we think gives us the best chance to win night to night. So I think, again, you'll see him any, hit anywhere from – Two to six. I think that that would probably, if we're talking again next year about the same thing, it probably is going to hit anywhere from two to six once again in 22. Yeah, and in no way am I trying to go down a lineup avenue because, like like you said, it's often wasted breath when it comes to media and radio discussing the lineup. My point more so was, look, we know Salvi is in the middle of the lineup that is a run producer. Curious if you viewed Ben Attendee as not Salvador Perez, 40 homer, but a run producer, middle of the lineup guy on a daily basis. Yeah, he's, he's an interesting guy. You know, we, we categorize our guys as run producers and run scorers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easy to say Andrew's a run scorer, but you also know there's some slug in there. So I, I think he can be at times that guy that's going to hit behind Salvi to protect Salvi. You know, you, you, you know, oftentimes you got to set your lineup up like that. It has to do with who's swinging the bat well at what times. Uh, but you're always going to want somebody behind Salvi because they're probably going to pitch around them. They're going to try to get him to chase things, soft contact. So, But who hits behind him is going to be very impactful if he's going to have any chance of getting pitches to hit. So, um, you know, I, I would venture to say he – he is a little bit more along the lines of a run producer than necessarily a run scorer, 
if I had to pick one of the two. So I, I think he's perfectly capable of doing that. Royals GM, J.J. Piccolo. J.J., final one for you, staying with the offense. Uh, OPS-wise, bottom three in the American League last year, and uh, you know, not a young offense per se, but it could be with the additions of Prado, Bobby Witt Jr., M.J. Melendez in the coming months or years. Do you view these bats, these young bats, as that type of difference making bats that can jump you to the top third in the American League when it comes to that OPS number? We do believe that. Um, we think the three you mentioned are three of the most talented guys in the minor league. They were all named first team, all baseball America, uh, which really that was an all-star team from AAA down to A ball. So I think the industry views them very much in that light. Uh, we all know young hitters. It's not going to be instant or instantaneous that they're going to be the same hitter in the major leagues as they were in the minor leagues. But just going off of past experiences, they all get on base. They all have a high OPS. Uh, usually that's going to translate when guys get to the major league. It's just a matter of how long is that transition. You know, Obviously, there's some superstars that do it right away. Uh, but a majority of the players, it takes a little bit to get settled in. But when they get settled in, we don't have any doubt. I mean, you're talking about guys that will be in the middle of our lineup. You know, they, it, when they're in their prime, when they they hit their stride, they are guys that can do some damage. Um, you know, I, even though MJ led the minor leagues in home runs, uh, I don't, I'm not ready to say we want him to be a home run hitter. We all know how hard it is to hit balls out of Coffin Stadium. We want him to be a good hitter. If he's a good hitter, he's going to hit some home runs. Nick Prado's the same way. Uh, Bobby Wood Jr. is the same. You know, we've got Vinny Pasquantino, who was in Double A this year, who was a second team All Baseball America selection uh, that has incredible plate discipline. Walks. You know, I think I, I believe the stat was he had, he had as many walks as he did extra base hits this year. So, pretty impressive stat. We're excited about that group. We, we do think that's the, the future that's going to be in, in the middle of our lineup, and uh, we're just anxious for those days to get here. Prado, Bobby, MJ, would it be fair to call them central to your 2022 plans or am I, uh, a year premature on that? I wouldn't say year premature. I, w- I would be disappointed Again, if we were talking this time next year that they hadn't made their major league debuts, um, you know, and I say that because we don't we we don't want to put pressure on them to feel like they need to be in the major leagues. We like to say players will tell us when they're ready, and that's basically by performance. You know, oftentimes if guys repeat a level, you watch how they go back and they handle the league they were just in, and they're they're dominating the league. Uh, very similar to what we did with Eric Cosmer. Eric Cosmer went to AAA, and he, he was actually making the jump from AA to AAA. Uh, I forget what his numbers exactly were, but he was hitting around 400. The slug was high. The on-base was high. Uh, he was he was telling us he was ready for the major leagues. You know, a couple of those guys, if not all three, may have to go through the same process, but that's you know kind of the beauty of spring training. We get to have those discussions. We get to evaluate our team. Uh, and like every player, they have to be prepared, and then there has to be an opportunity for them to play every day because the last thing we would want is a young player to be in the major leagues and not playing every day because you're losing out on development time, which as much as we want to think guys are ready for the major league, there is a piece of development that has to happen while in the major leagues as well. 
so we wouldn't want that to be on the bench. So there has to be that opportunity for them as well. But a lot of that is determined by performance in spring training, uh, and along with and heavily influenced by past performance. You know, we can't base everything on a four-week jaunt through Surprise Arizona. Uh, but we have a pretty good feel for where they are in the development process. We'll continue that evaluation and uh, see where it comes out. But, you know, the expectation is at some point next year, we'd like to see all three of them in the major leagues. Uh, if it doesn't happen in 22, it doesn't mean they're not good players. It may be 23, but um, we'll know uh, when the time is right for each of them. I can't wait. I can't wait to get this thing started. JJ, we uh, we always appreciate your generosity with your time here at 610 Sports Radio uh, tonight. No exception. Thank you very much. Thanks, Vern. Appreciate the time. Royals General Manager JJ Piccolo. You're listening to Vern's Royals Bonanza. Right center field, and that ball is gone! On your home for Royals baseball. Salvador Perez, a grand slam for a second straight game. 610 Sports Radio. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.